The event that Americans celebrate as the first Thanksgiving took place in 1621 at the end of the harvest when the remnants of the Mayflower, some 53 folks, along with some 90 Native Americans, shared a meal over several days. It's Abraham Lincoln, though, who declared Thanksgiving as a holiday in 1863 as part of his effort to bring North and South together, but also because of one of the problems behind Thanksgiving, and that is the continued Indian Wars. The year before had been the great Dakota War, which was fought a lot just over in southern Minnesota. And of course, we who know history know that the first officially declared Thanksgiving Day was in 1637, when the Massachusetts colony gave thanks to God for being able to slaughter 700 Pequot Indians in a struggle there. Nonetheless, over time, these darker elements have faded, and Americans have come to celebrate the prosperity of this land that God gave us. But a second shift has occurred in the celebration of Thanksgiving as the vast majority of the population moved away from the rural areas into cities, especially after World War II, when cities were the center of prosperity and production. It was a shift from field to family. To help us then reflect on family this Thanksgiving, we turn to the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, the birth of their son John, who would become John the Baptist, and Zechariah's hymn, the Benedictus, recorded in Luke 1, which is our gospel reading for today. I'll be looking at first Three top, at three topics. First of all, the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth uh, to give a sense for family. Then, whoops, forgot, pushed the button too quickly. <laughs> I do that when I teach as well sometimes. Then we'll look at Zechariah's word of thanksgiving, that word that gets translated Benedictus. What's involved in that? And then thirdly, well, after a tiny bit of a Latin lesson, sorry, I'm a language prof. I have to do these things once in a while. Uh, we're going to turn to the term Benedictus, in which we can learn from Zechariah how all of what God gives us is part of his larger mission to the world of which we are a part. So here we go. Part one, the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. If you go to Target and look at the line of cards for Thanksgiving, almost all of them present Thanksgiving something like this Norman Rockwell painting, the ideal family gathered around the table with a large bird. But not every family fits that stereotype. There are poor families. There are broken families. There are blended families. There are quirky families. There are estranged families. There are abusive families. 
there are grieving families. Thanksgiving gatherings can be quite different and sometimes difficult, even traumatic for people. So it's appropriate to turn to the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, for theirs was hardly an idealized home. Zechariah was a minor priest of the order of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth had better credentials. She could trace her genealogy back to Aaron. But although they observed the Torah carefully, they had no children. Children were considered a blessing of God in that day, so much so that people would speculate, oh, if they don't have any kids, they must have offended God in some way. Elizabeth was barren, and Luke tells us they were getting older, which is a polite way of saying she was postmenopausal. Children were no longer an option. And matters only got more challenging for this small household because Zechariah, by lot, was sent to do the daily burning of incense in the temple proper. There Gabriel appeared to him and frightened him. Then Gabriel brought good news that they would have a son, a child full of the Holy Spirit and the spirit and power of Elijah. When Zechariah raised the infertility issue and age, he was made mute until these things come to place. So he finished his priestly duties as best he could and went home to a house that was now even more quiet. But Elizabeth conceived an unexpected ending. Medically impossible, but with God, all things are possible, right? And she hid at home for five months. Then Mary came to visit, also miraculously pregnant, and stayed for three months. Finally, Elizabeth gave birth to a son. And for the first time, they shared the news with their family and neighbors. On the eighth day of the child's circumcision, those present wanted to name him Zechariah for his dad. Elizabeth said, no, he will be called John. Zechariah wrote on a tablet, his name is John. And immediately he began to speak, praising God. The birth of John caused more than a bit of amazement wonder and even confusion in the hill country of Galilee there west of Jerusalem. Those of you with irregular or challenging families are in good company when you consider Zechariah and Elizabeth. However, what's important is not the awkwardness of the circumstances, but the response of Zechariah that we know as the Benedictus. And that leads us to part two. The hymn of Zechariah that comes to us from the end of chapter one of 
Luke's Gospel, is called the Benedictus because the word Benedictus is used to translate the first word of the hymn in the Latin translation of the Bible. Benedictus is normally translated blessed, as in blessed be the God of Israel. But it's also a bit confusing because in English we also use the same word blessed to describe our circumstances when God shows favor to us. I am blessed. So the word gets used two ways. In this case, however, it is God who is being blessed by Zechariah. Blessed be the God of Israel. Zechariah is speaking a good word about God with this acclamation. Now, to be sure, Zechariah does this because of the blessing of the Son, this unexpected ending, but the focus is not on the gift, but on the blessing Zechariah offers to God in response. It's a word of thanksgiving, but with a twist. Unlike words of thanksgiving that we might speak around the table tomorrow as we thank God for the blessings of this last year, the thank God for family, this word of Zechariah, this Benedictus, is directed outward. When Zechariah cries, Benedictus, he has God's blessing in mind, but he directs his words to those around them. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He's looking at them, not at the heavens. His Benedictus is a message of good news to others. Despite all the challenges of the years, despite all the difficulties since his encounter with Gabriel there in the temple, despite being mute, Zechariah could no longer contain himself. But his word was not just directed vertically to God. It was also a word shared horizontally with others. The first thing to note about the Benedictus is, is that it is a song of praise that bears witness to others about God. Secondly, in the Benedictus, Zechariah connects his experience to the greater story of God's saving acts. In the opening part, of that Benedictus, he speaks of, I'm sorry, the ESV, Horn of Salvation, that is a really bad translation. It should be translated, Mighty Savior. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior from the house of David. He references the prophets of old who had assured the people that God would save them. And he cites the promises of God in his holy covenant to rescue so that we might serve God all the days of our life. When Zechariah does this, he is inviting you and me to start seeing and sharing the connections between our experience of God's grace in our lives and the larger plan of God to rescue the world from sin. God doesn't do two things. Here gives this family a blessing, there that family a blessing, and then over here he's saving the world. It's all part of one thing. 
And seeing those connections is what this song enables us to do. Yes, those blessings you enumerate tomorrow are signs and pointers of God's larger project in saving the world. The recovery of a family member from a significant illness is a pointer that in God's day there will be no more sorrow, sickness, pain, or death. The addition of a new member to the family is a reminder that God would have many more join the family of the church. And just being together for a meal can be a foretaste of the feast to come. In the Benedictus, Zechariah also addresses the child by naming his role as a prophet who will go before the Lord to prepare his way and to give people knowledge of salvation. Now, it's pretty heady stuff to be saying to somebody who's eight days old, but Zechariah was convinced, convinced that the child would have a role in God's work of seeking and saving the lost. Now, not every child is John the Baptist, and not every blessing of God is so central to God's saving plan. But would that we were open to see in each blessing that we receive from God, especially those we count at a holiday, some of the possibility by which that blessing might further God's mission in the world. Zechariah concludes the Benedictus by returning again to what God is about in the world. Invoking language from Malachi and Isaiah, Zechariah envisions a sunrise from on high breaking upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Zechariah didn't know at that time how much his imagery would embrace the most important moment in God's saving plan. When that sunrise on a Sunday, the darkness would be scattered and the shadow of death would be overcome in the resurrection of Jesus. We know that story and it guides our feet into the way of peace. The Benedictus of Zechariah direct its, directs its thanksgiving outward along with upward. The song sees his experiences in the context of the larger saving plan of God. His Benedictus is confident in its witness because Zechariah has been touched by the mercy of God and looks forward in faith to what God is about to do. Part three, Benedictus. Benedictus means blessed, as in blessed be God. 
It's a participle, which means it functions like an adjective. It says something about God. Benedictamus changes the end of the word, right? And makes it an invitation to us. Let us bless the Lord. The third part of this message is a benedictamus. An invitation to you to bless the Lord this year at Thanksgiving. A Benedictamus begins with reflection. Consider those folks with whom you will gather tomorrow, whether they're your natural family, a chosen family, friends, a mix. What have they gone through in the past year, including the blessings, the challenges, and even the difficulties? How do you see the kindness and grace of God in their experiences, whether they just made it through or feel themselves bountifully blessed? When you gather, you might even suggest some sharing to that end. But a Benedictamus moves from reflection to connection. That is, what stories in the Bible might inform key experiences? Since God is at work drawing the world to himself and setting all things right, how are the experiences of this last year a reflection of God's greater work in Christ? Point toward it or anticipate its outcome. How does the story of Jesus connect with and touch your experiences from this last year? And how might talking about those experiences point others to Jesus? A Benedict Thomas directs its thanksgiving outward as well as upward. This is the greatest opportunity of all because one of the most significant mission fields in the world is the family. Is the family. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they kept their story quiet until the child was born. But when Zechariah got his voice back, his words spoke to others of God's saving work. From the prophets to the present, how he saw God at work and the preparatory role of his son and how he hoped for a light that would scatter the darkness. How might you find your voice this Thanksgiving as you bless God for his marvelous presence in directing you and the world to Jesus? Time for some takeaways from the message tonight. The shift from fields to family to Jesus. Zechariah and Elizabeth give you an example. It's now your turn. The Benedictus is outward looking. Blessed be the God of Israel. The Benedict Thomas invites you to reflect, connect, 
and then direct your words this holiday. Tomorrow, may you see God at work in Jesus, as did Zechariah, and share Jesus in your Benedictamus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.